Well, I think I always start with administrivia, so let's get it out of the way. Okay, so Minion, though, the way I imagined things working is that the stream would would be rolling 15 minutes before the actual start time. And because of that, um, we need to do a checklist and audio check and all that setup beforehand. Now, I'm not quite sure how to start the stream and then get all that done. And I think, I think there is a way. So you can just go on your end, like roll out of bed, start the stream and have the music playing. And then just before things start, like 15 minutes before things start, we begin our physical stuff. Because right now, the way things are working is the, we would have to do our audio check um, a half an hour. We would have to begin our audio check a half an hour before stream start. And then the stream would start 15 minutes later. And then we go and take a break. And we come back at start time. Kind of like how you know everybody else would, would be off doing stuff and then be all excited and come back when the timer is done. So right now the way things are being forced to be is that we're always starting late. Always, always. Like the timer is counting down and we are we are two minutes down so that the timer's almost elapsed. So I need to I guess think about how to solve that on my end to deal with you. To deal with you. Um okay, so I had, uh, did we have a short, we didn't really have a short episode yesterday. Um, I did have some leftover notes that I can talk about. So, yesterday we or last year, didn't. you know what I mean. Last year, no, I don't think we did, but. I don't think it was short because I've got notes that talk about this. So, uh, I guess I, I, I guess one of the things that I was missing is it's actually useful I had a rather weird time because I'm still dealing with trying to catch up with some of our earlier shows. Did you actually upload the stuff that I gave you? Yeah. Okay. So that means that I am going to, to be, I think I'm two shows plus this show behind, which isn't as horrible as it would be. No, I think you're... Oh, wait, I could tell what I uploaded. Let me just go check that quickly. <laughs> Yes. I think I gave you 15. No, you definitely didn't. Okay, then I didn't. Then I will check my stuff. Oh, I gave you 14. Ouch. Uh, which one, whichever one's on 831. What? Uh, I don't... Whenever I export them, I still don't label them as project numbers 831. You gave me... Oh, yeah, you gave me 14. Y yes, my notes are better and faster than yours. I don't know why you're inventing your own format. It's always going to turn out badly. I mean, <laughs> okay, so I, I think about things way the hell more long-term than you. Um, the archivism thing and everything. Um, and And that's one of the things that actually made processing things harder, take longer. So one of the... One of the issues that I'm thinking about is how to structure the data. So how to name everything, but also internally, like 
I'm now wrapping up a whole bunch of different ideas into one project with Audacity. And so it's got all the different tracks. So it's actually got like an internal track. There's So there's one source track that's kept in another project. There's, um, there's your audio track, my audio track. There's a clip audio track for stuff I think is interesting, but it's not necessarily, that's not going to be released separately. Maybe it's too long. Maybe it's too, like, sometimes it's too short or it ends abruptly because it's, it's not a well-defined point. And then there's a track for, let's say, clip one, if there is a clip one that gets released, and one for clip two. And the, the clips ideas, they're like the previous, right? And those get pulled, those get copied out into their own. Like, you you made a playlist with this stuff, so... Um, and I still think that that's ex extremely important, which is why I'm still providing you, even if you upload both the clip and the show at the same time, clip first, th that that gets uploaded. I need to it... update my to. And now I just realized I need to update my uh, list of my process list. So you actually have a like a workflow. I guess it would be the good word. Yeah. Yeah. So. And you and I haven't sat down specifically to help you clean that up because I actually have, so I've got, I've got two YouTube channels actually, neither of which I'm doing anything on at the moment. And so I already created the workflow concept and that's why I'm not, I've got the eroding memory. So I'm not too afraid that I'm going to forget how to do all that stuff. Um, because I can go back and I've got notes that say, okay, well, I go, I go and I upload here, and these are the fields that I need to fill out. So, for example, I won't forget to fill out the the bit that says it's kid friendly, right? Now, that that's not a thing for reading the fairy tales because they involve things like death, which today's kids, oh, 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 that helped. That I love being derailed by random stuff. Okay, so. So um, I'm learning Frisian, and part of part of the experience has been I'm watching TV, and it's 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 something like if when I was growing up we had uh, like the one all French channel, and it's just a Quebec thing, and that that was what was being exported out into Ontario, and so it had all manner of content and it was just segmented out into times of day so you had like the there was a morning stuff that had kids stuff and there was an evening stuff that had kids stuff but and then the news came much later when the kids would go to sleep so, but it was one channel that just had this flow to it and there's a an online channel it's the one channel the one tv channel that i know of online at least which goes through that that cycle of content but in frisian and the, the, so I'm trying to learn the Frisian language. And so it's really useful because, so number one, so you're going to get um, two major kinds of content that are useful. One is you're going to get uh, newscaster and newscaster always shows the speaker and always shows their mouth. So I can actually read their lips while listening to the sounds, which is very, very important for somebody who's trying to kind of just trying to figure things out. And it's also very interesting for somebody who's not familiar at all with the language and you want to kind of uh, listen to the beauty of it. 
And so the newscaster is the first thing. And the second thing is interviews. And they do a lot of interviews. So you've got a combination of two things. You've got that same newscaster person, usually usually to the side, so because they're not the important one. They're actually doing an interview. And the interview is with just like an everyday person, just an everyday person. And the camera is trying to capture them. And it might be a three-quarter view but it, it also might be a full face on view and it tends to be further up and much closer. And so you actually get a, a really good view and it's an everyday person. It's not necessarily a, um, like an, either an eloquent speaker. So the, the word combination, the grammar might be weird and it's not necessarily a, like a clear speaker at all, because this is not somebody who speaks professionally. They're just being interviewed on the street. So they're, they're speaking natural, kind of unprofessional Frisian. And so th those things are useful. And, uh, but I, I brought that up cause, cause I, I was talking just about, um, YouTube requiring that you flag something as, as being child friendly or not. And it's, it can be per video now. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's risky, but you can make it your entire channel. I, I don't know how, I don't know very many channels that can do that if they're like fast and loose channels, uh, but sometimes you can create one particular video that is very carefully crafted that could be, could appeal to kids. And technically speaking, you don't want to do that in the YouTube space because uh, they demonetize it right away. <laughs> they turn they'll turn comments off and voting off. It's like all this other stuff because I don't I don't know why there there shouldn't be kids on YouTube at all there there should be kids on the internet without parental supervision right it's the old kids are being raised by television kids are being raised by radio kids are being raised by books kids are being raised by fire like it's the same old argument it's kids aren't being raised right anyhow frisian tv has the news segments and it's got you know some sports and it's it actually has commercials and stuff which are very strange in another language but it's also got kids stuff. It's got kids TV. And uh, some of it is just absolutely intolerable. So I have to, I have to leave it. I, I need to figure out my times of day so that I can figure it. Cause I think they have specific time of day segments for specific kids shows. And there's one that I really like, and there's some other that are acceptable, but if there's like, if it's one with puppets, it's not really useful, especially when they have dumb voices that they're doing. Cause it just sounds like an adult, using kind of well and they'll use kids language which is useful but they it's mutated in their weird character accent so it's just awful to listen to but they've got like adults playing adults with the content that's stepped down to kids which is useful because i can still see an actual human being speaking the words and uh that's useful but one of them one of them was it was, just, it was it was two things. So the first one was, it's a show where you've got a set of kids that are, they're off screen. And all you're doing is you're, you're seeing like a zoom in of a person with like markers and crayons and stuff like that. The person is drawing. So there's an adult not speaking, there's a drawing. You just have a little, a tiny little crowd, an audience of kids that's trying to guess what's being drawn. And I thought like, I, and I have no idea because I don't actually know the language. So I'm sitting here trying to, trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And I, I actually clue in that that's what they're trying to guess. I clue in really quick too. 
And I'm thinking, oh, this is perfect because because I can totally be like a dumb kid trying to figure out the correct words to explain because I'm smart like an adult, quote unquote smart. And so I can catch on to what's being drawn like really quick compared to the kids. But it's going to take me a lot longer than the kids to find the right words. And so I'm, I'm like kind of at their speed, sort of. And or theoretically, like once I understand some words, which I really don't. Anyhow, the scene that I was watching, this was a few days ago. The scene that I was watching was like, oh, there's a big cat. Oh, there's, there's a big, like, that's a dad cat. That's kind of like a big cat. And oh, there's there's another cat that's sleeping down there. And oh, there's another cat. It's, it's like, what is that, an umbrella? No, no, those are like raindrops, but that's a weird color. Color doesn't matter because this is a drawing. And it's like, what the scene evolved into is, is a friend cat with a parent cat and another cat actually shoveling dirt into a dead cat, into a dead, like a little grave, a ditch. I'm like, ooh, that's a, that's a really big cultural difference. I mean, this is a kid's show that was directly tackling, it wasn't even tackling it as a subject. It was like, it, that was just part of the drawing. And nobody said anything about anything. It was just an episode. It was, it's just fine. Like, it says something about the, the the culture. So we're in Canada, and I know in the United States it was a big, big deal. You had uh, a character. It, it was so the show is Sesame Street, and Sesame Street has a combination of uh, fixed puppets. So they they are they're called Muppets. Uh, they're marionetted puppets. You don't see any people associated with these. Like sometimes for some puppets you'll see hands with the strings or people behind like humans physically behind the entire shtick was that you could not see that they were not real that the the human being animating it was hidden completely hidden and you had a fixed set of like cast that were recurring characters and it was a large rotating set and you'd get however many per episode and there were some that were just really 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 regular and you had humans as well and those people, they had their own character. And just just like the Muppets, they there was a fairly fixed cast. And they had friends, and they would have guests over and stuff like that. And they would be like really, really famous people. But the kids wouldn't know or care. So this is something that kind of engaged the adults, the, the babysitters, so to speak. And so there were humans that were... That were a part of the world that is that street and there was um one of the one of the most recognized human characters at the time was a character by the name of mr roper and mr roper was well loved and the thing is this was i didn't care because um it wasn't really my show i under i understood the mechanics i was old enough and um and they and the character mr roper like the the human being the actor died and they weren't sure how to handle that like, so storytelling wise you have to have a reason for the actor not showing up again and there's tv shows have to deal with this and all you'll get well that actor was too expensive that actor became a parent that actor 
became became intolerable socially that actor and and it goes on and on down the list until it gets to that actor died and sometimes uh they'll swap in a different a different actor for that role and that could be really confusing like most recently not i don't watch enough anything but so for example and that will get done with something like uh i know the matrix the matrix had a, a sequel uh, i'd rather forget about and it just swapped one of the characters out and called it the same like it's, it's a different person and it confu- it really really confused me because it wasn't handled very well wasn't written very well and this happens with some tv shows and and that is an option that's a valid option to pursue um it's easier for animated cartoons and stuff like that but even then sometimes they won't bring in a a mimic for that voice they'll they'll retire the character for some reason what the the japanese do this i'll talk about how the japanese handle this another time like after shortly after but for the mr roper character they decided that they would actually tell the other characters in the show uh, that mr roper died and they would by proxy be telling their audience and this is an audience that is extremely young that may have never been exposed to that idea because of bad parenting and so it it, it was a it was a whole lot of like the one most loving character who interacted the most with the mr roper character didn't understand it had to be explained and then kind of forgot and then oh oh mr roper must be just late like where is he it's like well you know (laughs) you know big bird and it was it's a really challenging concept for this is a kid's show right and this reveals a massive cultural uh, like we want to play pretend like cultures are all kind of compatible in some sense you know humans are humans they're interchangeable right no no they're absolutely not there's a reason we have cultures and people want to play pretend like you can pluck people from around the world and kind of throw them together even by their will and that's and they're not you're going to find bridges through certain things that's why we want to have good social interaction and we want to have vacationing and we want to have so that so that our neighbors aren't alien it really does help having uh trying to find some things in common and so but there's really really big differences in the frisian handling of death must be it must happen at the household level right away and it's not and it's so not a big deal that it, it's not they weren't tackling it as an issue it was part of the game that they were playing nobody was maybe it's because it wasn't a recurring character that it wasn't it's not going to be a hard impact on kids that are that are much newer to the concept like maybe maybe and that that reminds me to bring up the japanese and and this this hits me particularly hard because i was i was at the particular age for that and it's and the Sesame Street event happened much earlier, much earlier. And I cannot recall. We're talking the 70s, right? So, and that, that episode did get rebroadca- rebroadcast and stuff like that. But with the... 
So, so I already well understood the ideas of death. Okay. But, but, um, for the Japanese, they, in the United States, it was actually illegal until, uh, president Reagan made it okay for television shows to be, to have tie-ins to toys. And that's when all these shows kind of exploded out like GI Joe and right. And the transformers was a big one too. And it was, it was wildly popular. Like those are wildly popular with boys. So I watched those shows. Why are they wildly popular with boys? Who cares? I like them. I watch them. And the thing is that that restriction on toys with television never existed in Japan. That's why they've got like a new, they've got a new series. That same studio will just drop and pick up a new series regularly. They're always working on something and they have card games and toys and this and that. And the Transformers notion, the shows are come out of Japan. And they were, there were tie-ins to actual like dolls for actual little robot. And the, it was quite a novel concept. You, you had GoBots, but Transformers was the, was the proper one with little transformable machines. And, and it was really, really popular partly because it was, uh, I mean, it, it, it was novel in the world really for that, that complexity, at least transformable toys is really probably from ancient Greece or something silly, but, uh, with the complexity and with the tie in for a television series was really new in the United States and in Canada. And so what, um, and so it was wildly, wildly popular and stuff was kind of expensive. So, you know, you, you bring your, your one favorite character, you'd bring that one to school kind of thing. And uh, they had a movie that came out. It's so it's just called Transformers the movie, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was released in something like 1986. And so this movie is no. So let let's let's say it right now. It's a good movie even now. Now I will say that it holds up, just purely because in your brain it's not playing pretend at being real. It's it's a cartoon. It's fast and loose. It's always been fast and loose. It's correct for the time. It's movies that try hard and are at the cutting edge might be really popular at the time, but they might look really, really, really dated quite quickly. Now, this is not true for all movies, and I'm going to make a note of that so that I don't forget. Okay, so okay, so you, you had this movie that came out, and it was based on this toy series, and it was a big deal. It's a big deal because it was a movie surrounding a tv show and toys which was i think it might have been a first but, but i'm not sure but it was it was a, a huge impact certainly on a lot of youths around that time and and it had rock and roll music in it now it's not the first show to do that so it's not the first animated show and it's not the first one with like serious hard rock as its soundtrack um, the very first one was, uh, which I really recommend as well. So it's animated. It's called rock and rule. Rock and rule is a really good movie. I happen to like it. It's probably not a good movie. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, 
I, I, I like it. It has a special place in my heart. At any rate, the Transformers movie, what the Japanese do to bring out a new season of toys is they kill the characters in the show for those toys. And they did that in the movie. And this was an audience of kids that had never, that's not culturally a thing. They've never properly been, it's it's not that they haven't been introduced to death. Because this was a show, this was a show with violence, quote unquote violence, animated. And so it wasn't, it wasn't the Smurfs and it wasn't, right? And so it had that, it had injury, the threat of death was there as part of the it was an action show and the movie would it was expected to have a lot of that so this audience was not unfamiliar with with death but the lead character the one that was to be replaced by new leadership and all the toy land the toy line would be wiped out essentially so so the japanese would commit genocide over all the show's character bring out a new series a new season have a fresh new cast all these new transformable toys i mean they they were going, it was, it was not just classic, the classic Japanese sales, essentially. They were, they were doing it fresh, doing it right, being extravagant about it, making it in a movie. They were really going the extra mile. And that event in the movie hurt an entire generation of that age. Like, it isn't that kids that age were not familiar with death they were all familiar with violence all familiar with death that okay it's that that was a thing but they were never familiar with the concept of uh storytelling storytelling death death of characters death of heroes because that was a hero character and it, and even everybody knows it's fictional right and but it was impactful it was extraordinarily impactful so and I, I mean this when i say that it's it was a massive generational impact it might have just been an age range of 10 15 years or something like that and it may just be culturally in the united states and canada i don't know where else it, it's impacted but there's a lot of people i can bring this stuff up to and they'll be they'd be like yeah yeah that like that Ooh, man that movie that ooh. So it's more than just a, a a movie that you could say is quote unquote good for whatever reason. I, I think it's pretty cool. I, and a lot of movies you end up being fixated because it was the times. But man, 1980s movies are just superior to today's movies, especially today's movies in that uh, in that class. So quote unquote kids movies, so youth movies. Uh, the the 1980s movies are. And just into the early 90s, before things started taking themselves seriously, a lot of the, a lot of the kids stuff was, uh, it would, it would handle a lot of this stuff. You would lose characters that you fell in love with, even if it's unique to that movie, like it was introduced and it was worked up. And one hour in, that was the part of the heroic like like the protagonist's motivation is the loss of one of the other characters and it was its actual death and it, that that build-up it might have only taken an hour but an hour movie time is a universe unfolding with a full plot and so that's quite impactful that was just that 
that was a thing that really did become a thing throughout movies in the 1980s. And that's something you're just not going to see now at all, ever. And it's not because the rules have changed, because a lot of the rules, um, they've become more accepting of some of these things. But it's almost as though the culture of kids move the culture of kids movies has retracted to be more and more sheltering. Like you've got more and more adults that are sheltered, that come out and don't understand certain basic concepts of life, and you'll you'll see that when you look back into the kids shows of this generation or in the last say 20 years and in the youth stuff and in the young adult stuff you'll just see that it's very very different from if you time shift to to children from the 70s ish so childhoods that that reach through the eight through the entirety of the 80s and a little bit of the early 90s when you had concepts like uh, the suicide of Kurt Cobain of the band Nirvana, which was extremely popular at the time, uh, the, the, the fact that that was made public and, and all the fans were aware and the fans were of a certain age range, like that had a certain impact. You're not going to see that kind of thing these days. Everybody would like the audience for a particular, if for it's a youth, the audience for like Brit, the Britney Spears audience wouldn't be told about her drug binges and stuff like that. But back back in the 80s and 90s, yeah, 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 that the 14-year-old audience would totally un, would, would learn about that stuff. And probably they'd be pushed the the drugs are bad line, the war on drugs thing that uh, again as I understand it was uh, President Reagan, uh, but more specifically his wife that pushed that that what became a terror across the history of the United States for a whole lot of people, just cause think of the children. But unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> that hasn't worked out very well for them. At any rate, at any rate, I had, I was talking about 1980s movies and so there's, and it's a problem with video games as well. Uh, if a media has technological constraints and it pushes that edge, the edge of what's possible. One, it, it, that alone will make it highly interesting to that immediate audience. And that's generally good enough. In the past, that has been good enough because that's where the revenue comes from. It's that immediate interest. There was no concept of like, oh, residual profits from the sales of VHS. Like that's, that was not particularly a consideration back then. It, it existed. These days, their DVD sales or online streaming is an extraordinary uh, amount of the income generated by that. It might be more immediate when it's theaters, but long-term DVD, especially for something like... We, we witnessed that with TV shows. Um, and it is a thing with movies. So you've got this concept of tech, the technological constraint creating... Um, uh, a, a market opportunity. So when a movie is like first to do this extraordinary thing, they it becomes highly interesting. But the problem is when a movie is a tryhard for that tech and that tech becomes cheaper or more common, 
then the next movie and the next movie and the next movie that come out will also be using that net. They'll be traveling down that same path. It's been blazed by that previous movie. Like that, that previous movie movie paid the expense for it. So if I wanted to do bullet time matrix style, I might actually be able to do it with like home production stuff. And that that's absolute at the time that would be absolutely unthinkable. And so the movie, one of the things that made that movie quote unquote great was the was wrapping it in that technological constraint. So it's it was it was good at the time, additionally because of that, not solely because of that. The story time, the story, the the telling of the story might be unique, the actors might be unique, like it might have other reasons for its success. Now, if a movie doesn't pursue that that cutting edge tech, but chooses to retract it and use um, let's call it classic mechanisms for well, what would we say? So for example, one good um, one good example in filmmaking is the movie uh, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger and the movie is Total Recall. Total Recall, it's it's a movie based on a short story of all things. And it, I don't know that it was a particularly wildly popular short story, but it was certainly interesting. And the movie was really interesting because it, it borrowed from some incredible writing. And this movie is, or at least for a very long time, was the final movie to use solely practical effects for everything. And the thing about that generation of movies is... Um, Movies were mostly bubblegum for a lot of the like science fiction-y action type stuff. And so there was re it was it was it was rough. It wasn't like it was gritty rough. It was um ooh, it it didn't take itself seriously, but Total Recall really did in terms of the effects. So the result is a kind of timeless beauty with some with some stuff that looks kind of dumb now that we just do with computer graphics but is incredible in the context of the constraint of its practical effects like we would have a hard time doing that kind of stuff these days just because the masters are retired or retired uh so we don't have anybody that has that skill set of like that anymore maybe maybe there's a comeback for it because the fad of using computer graphics came out and then people started using that to save money or do certain things that were completely impossible and the result is you you have a bunch of generations of movies that tried that cutting edge and this was the point i wanted to make they tried it and they succeeded at it and was amazing for the time. And now it just looks terrible because it's using old, old technology. And not very many movies got access to that tech and then, but made sure that they worked with it without pushing the boundaries. They worked with it for improving the techniques they already had 
for just rounding things out for for uh, polishing what they had and so one of the examples is the movie flight of the navigator it's one of these disney movies and i'm i'm positive that if i were to to watch this tomorrow um i would still be wowed by the quote-unquote graphics even though this movie came out forever ago this this movie came out forever ago and it was incredibly unique at even at the time because it used so it had like spoilers it had this incredible reflection technique using computer graphics and and they made sure that everything they did was not too flashy not too critical was really timeless and really subtle whenever they needed to use it and then the rest was just practical um so so yeah the problem exists with video games as well where a video game might be using the latest and greatest hardware really pushing what is possible and it'll make it incredible at the time it'll it'll make it it'll make it uh unique it will stand out from its peers it will perhaps push the boundary of what is possible with their audience's hardware and it'll really tease a certain kind of audience to get new hardware and the hardware manufacturers might see what's possible and start um, providing hardware to specifically um well I mean, that's a customer base now so now that there are video games that are using more and more of certain features from cards they might make though they might optimize those features make them more accessible faster what have you and the uh, the most recent example that we had talked about last show about nvidia is is a fine example of that they saw they they in their commercial they were they were going over their history and showing how the what they had been providing the hardware for the 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 technology of software that people had been been inventing that they have been adapting and supporting that going forward now the our next generations are going to be the soft the game developers are going to be manipulating the artificial intelligence cooked into the card that's probably the next gateway into doing stuff so that the game developers can can rework the way graphics are thought about in the card and this was one of the possibilities with uh so we have so there is one notion in hardware of a fixed state so you have a chip it performs certain actions you know you throw electricity over this way different electricity comes out it does math in between kind of thing but it does one job one set of jobs really well and the pathways that make it that do the logic it's it's all it's a fixed in space but there was an idea it does still exist that's if i can remember the name of it silly brain called fpga so that's a field programmable gate array and what happened was the the gates that did the thinking could be rewritten in software so it's like it's reprogrammable hardware and this kind of concept it's first off it's slower it's once it's even rewritten like it's kind of like flashed once it's rewritten the the result is also it's just slower than if you just set it in stone so you can make a cpu out of an fpga 
which is done under certain circumstances, but it would just be slower than just making the actual CPU, than, than uh, stamping it out and making your real CPU on the side somewhere place else is always going to so totally outperform. And so that was never cooked into, I was expecting that to become an add-on card and some other stuff for like specialized graphics where your game would rewrite that and then use that as it's extremely specialized processing. Um, but I think now, well, that never came to light. That never happened. But I think that now there's some version that could happen in software if the developers gained access to some of that intelligence in the card to have it do things like, well, right now what happens with NVIDIA is instead of rendering out the extraordinarily high quality stuff at the end, the different frames that get displayed to the, um, to the let's say a player, they would render it out at lower quality internally and then use upscaling technologies with an artificial intelligence to stitch it all together and provide that quote-unquote lower quality version to the gamer and that's kind of a horrifying concept to a lot of people but what ends up happening is in the upscaling they can actually do a better job than the slower rendering of the high quality frames so this this intelligence that's in between that does certain things that negotiates a better quality quote-unquote better quality that that technique is way better well what would happen if it the developer of the game could get their paws on that intelligence. They could say certain things like, well, I want you to uh, rent to upscale, but only upscale this stuff. So, so you would have weird games that would have visual effects where they, they'd have like hallways that would be rendered uh, extremely poorly. And then all of everything else would be nice and crisp because it would be upscaled and AI improved. So you'd get writing that was perfectly crisp everywhere, but you'd have certain patches that were fuzzy because that's part of a, a horror game, for example. Or you could have really weird stuff like a game like that, but well, what would happen if your player had like RPG or uh, it would unlock puzzles and that would give you vision powers and would let you do things like see longer distances, or see certain objects better or right like it's, it's like for example one of the things with video card video well let's say let's say video cards but what happens is there's no point in the 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 thought processes of a, of a graphics card for to think about what's behind objects it really only cares about what's the front layer so you could think of like graphics is kind of like a a scrapbook of a bunch of different layers but really, why put down the earlier layers of, of stuff? You can just put the top layer on. And, and it sounds really obvious, <laughs> kind of dumb, but that, that technology was at some point new because it, it was hard. So you, you'd the graphics card would have to, to calculate the infinity out to a light source and then kind of project all the path and then the end point, and you get... It's, it was, it was, well, well, nowadays, so it's just projected flat. Well, what if a game developer could manipulate that in certain ways so that they can let the, let the player, let the view see through walls by hacking out that 
particular feature, having it not act that way anymore. Not by having another layer with like painted outlines and stuff. They actually were to be able to influence the engine itself, the engine in the graphics card itself to have it not act in certain ways. And that provided, uh, um, if possible, that would provide an extraordinarily faster way of rendering all that stuff. So you can have these multiple layers and they don't have to be simplified because it's not, it's not a, it's not a, like a cute, clear piece of plastic with a, with a character doodled on it, which is what a lot of the see-through effects are nowadays. And it's literally kind of painted like that out on the, on the game field. It could be actually the, the rendering engine inside, inside those objects painted out and have a priority sequence that allows those other objects. So you could have gateways through solid barriers created in certain ways. But this is like understanding this stuff is is not my hobby. I've just I've been interested in this stuff because we've had a demo technology, uh, not computer demo, not software demo, but the audiovisual demonstrations done by hobbyists that it's kind of, they, they all they all got jobs. They all graduated. They all got kids. They all right. They they all moved on with life. So the 14 year old experts from the nineties are now done. They're retired. So we're not seeing the greatness that used to be possible. Um, they all became game developers and they're all, they're all doing somebody else's, uh, they're all following orders. There's no more competitions, not really, not like there was. So, and that's a little bit sad, but that's, I mean, that was a different life a long time ago. So, um, I mean, with four minutes left, I could chat about something else. Um, I have some weird notes that are left over. Man, I leave myself really dumb single keyword things, and it's hard for me to understand what the heck, <laughs> what the heck I meant by this stuff. Like, what did past self mean? Anyhow, so we've got uh, a few minutes until break, so let's call a break a little bit early. And uh, since we have a timer that works that way, and we'll be back in about, uh, what, 13 minutes. I'll see you then. I'm back. I'm also back. You know, we should have uh, a second sync snap between breaks. Uh, just as we come back, we don't necessarily have to broadcast that um, to, like, to stream that. But it's occasionally helpful for me to sync. So um, the, the way I've been doing the editing has, worked, has been working extremely well. Um, part of it is, so I've got headphones on now, and one of my problems was not hearing you, and then I would end up talking, but I would end up talking over you, and I think it contributed to your hesitancy in talking until you withdrew too much. And with you on a separate track, I, every single time you, you, I hear you like, uh, what's, what's the term chortling. You do this because I can hear you breathing, right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm going through and I'll see the little spike of noise where you kind of, where if I were to hear that, I would, uh, stop and maybe you'd say something and we kind of coax you out of your, your quietness. Um, 
Okay, so I um I've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Wow, why did I why did I write down in my to-do list teeth? Like do I do I want to talk about my teeth? What was past self trying to convey? Like yeah. Um Okay, so I'm uh I'm going to talk a little bit about the times and a kind of a it's it's one of the things where I I probably shouldn't, but people ought to understand reality a little bit better. So first, um, so it, Canada, um, Canada has the same problems as everywhere else. It, we're a lot better off. Um, our without getting political. Okay, so our numbers are good. Numbers good, therefore everything good, honest. And so, and there are things which are occurring and things and stuff, right? Okay, so can't, so a lot of our audience, uh, they're Americans, so a lot of our buddies and stuff that'll watch this understand things from their perspective. So Canada is you, but less. And in some aspects, it's you, but a lot worse. And the there's social economic and political stuff that's a lot worse in canada than than it is in the united states whatever you guys think is bad for you so um i i want to okay so first i've been eating pasta so i'm getting this stuff called scooby well i, I pronounce it scooby-doos for obvious reason but like they're, they're called scooby-does like scooby d-o-s and uh, it's a kind of pasta and it's a superior kind of pasta because it's it's spirally and so you got a lot of surface area but it's also ribbed again more surface area but it's fine surface area so it doesn't stick to stuff when you're stirring it's absolutely wonderful to work with and it's got a lot of surface area so it really really helps with sauce as long as you really shake out the water that's that's on the inside of these twists it's great stuff so i'm glad it's still around and i can get it delivered from amazon and I get it in these little bags, and right. So I've been I've been Is having the spiral staircase ones. Sorry, say again. Spiral staircase looking ones. No, so there there are some pasta. What they are is they're like uh, they're like slopes going up, and that's the core thing. But those don't have a hole going in the middle. Scooby Doe's are kind of like that, right? They're they're that shape, but the ridges are just tiny. And there's a big hole going all the way through it. So kind of, kind of like how macaroni has a hole going through. These were, are like that. They're just, they're an extra twist and they're ribbed on the outside. So it's a better noodle. And I found the kind of pasta sauce that I like. And, it, and okay, so I don't know how to cook. So I'm very, I don't know what, what would be the term. Like I've only got so many recipes and, and I tend to just eat the ingredients as they are don't understand the idea of taking the ingredients and doing fancy stuff and then getting a different thing out like i would just eat all the components and be done with it i wouldn't try to do something <laughs> and so with pasta i'm like it's a bowl of pasta with sauce on it and that would be the meal even though it's supposed to be a side and you're supposed to do other stuff and i just don't do that um so There's i've been happy um... There was this funny image I saw a while ago where it's uh, how to ha how to do like um, ramen noodles: boil water, eat the pasta, then snort the sauce pack. Snort the sauce pack. 
Or flavoring pack. <laughs> Drink the boiling water. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that. Like cartoons. Yeah. And I, I, but I've seen the, I mean, that's obviously a joke, but I've seen the opposite where people are like, well, what you do is you take this and then you use it as this layer and you put cheese on it and you put the ground beef here and you're like, and you would make it, turn it into a lasagna. You were turning it to like, uh, oh, I can't, again, because I can't cook. I don't understand. I don't remember all this stuff. And people are like, well, if you, if you got, if you're working with ramen, you can't afford cheese. <laughs> like, don't be crazy. Well, these people just taking, like, it's just cheap noodles and doing incredible things with that. I would never do that. I just, I, I fry up the ground beef and I would like have ground beef with it. I wouldn't do, I wouldn't do stuff. It's just, it would be a waste of time for me. And so I, uh, why, why was it? Okay. So I was eating this pasta. It's just like pasta and sauce. It's one of these taking it straight out of the fridge and eating it in the middle of the night. Cause I'm awake and everybody's asleep and I don't want to bother them by even using the microwave. Oh man. It just really stinks. And I had like lunch and dinner and then in the middle of the night, kind of breakfasty type stuff. Oh, I've, and, and it took me a while to figure it out, but over the last couple of days, I'm becoming more and more irritable. And irritable is this very specific word for me. So irritability is, is how impactful certain uh, fairly trivial things are um, for your mood. So one fairly common thing is, let's say if you're playing a video game, th there's the idea of the rage quit, okay? Where events occur and they're events which might be random or they're events, but they, they are not necessarily due to you and your player actions. It's due to the competency of an enemy or due to whatever. And, and that will impact people. The irritability is not like that. Irritability is you're doing things and then something normal happens. And for some reason, the impact, let's call it emotionally, is greater when you're irritable rather than... And, and I've talked about bacon. I've talked about bacon being, um, for some reason, the thing which helps. And and the, the contrast between what I was before and after bacon... And again, I don't like bacon. This, this just happens to be a fact that I'm working with. Uh, the contrast before and after is is astonishing. Like, I think I might be gaining weight. I think I might actually be reducing my lifespan eating bacon, right? And I'm, I'm now struggling with whether or not that's actually worth it, because I think it might actually be worth it. Um, so I'm, I might have to pair bacon with an extraordinary workout, which, which might also have its own benefits, because I've worked out before. It was it was in 2005, but I've worked out before and I, re I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for all kinds of reasons. And it would be nice to do that again. Um, I can't, well, I can't do that again, but I can at least work out again. Um, so what was I talking about? I was talking about mood. So the difference in irritability was incredible. It was so incredible that I wasn't being bothered by barking dogs, which, which philosophically bothers me, which... Right. It, it, I still don't like 
what happened like a barking dog is a problem for all kinds of reasons and it's also a problem because it it demonstrates the excitability slash essentially what is the abuse of the dog if the dog is acting like that there's there's a problem happening right down to the to the level of i mean so i can empathize with the dog at least even if i don't like the barking i it's it bothers me that the that the barking occurs because it's like the abuse of the animal kind of thing in my mind so the irritability for that it was noticeable that i wouldn't be bothered by dogs and i wouldn't be bothered by traffic these days um i had been getting so irritable that traffic two blocks away was was annoying me was annoying and even angering me like uh and it, it, it's having gone through the phases of my life and discovering that period of calm, of lower irritability, it, I, now, I now know what that's like. I now know that my reception of those events is uh, incorrect, okay? And I'm tying this now to um, the pasta, to the pasta that I had been eating. And I had suspected this before, and I had done some experimentation and and I've just experienced it again over the last couple of days where I've become highly unusually like classically for me classically irritable and uh, the one change in my life has been um, eating this the pasta and so uh, I'm I'm probably gonna cut it out see if it if my mind returns to normal and then reintroduce it maybe at the same level on purpose and then see if it like try to reproduce it right it, it's really risky and as long as i'm not around people that i might hurt it i can be irritable <laughs> like uh, i'm not what well i i'm not really joking and that's the thing i'm a big strong skilled guy and me being irritable is a has been a problem classically a problem in the past like i don't have a criminal record but i could have so... right i'm not far away from that and i need so that that's the thing so it's really it's so it's hard talking to us to a, like a civilian about this and it's hard talking to sorry about the sexism it's hard talking to women about that right because we want to play pretend like women are safe <laughs> they're not but we we still play the game but men understand that um that we're dangerous and we we want to live a life where we're where we're stress-free which is good we want to be non-confrontational more a lot of people more so than others um and there are some people that um they're more comfortable with certain kinds of confrontation than other kinds of people like there's there's confrontation and there's confrontation right some people will get drunk and they are more able to engage like street fights and stuff like that right and you could say that it's it's the nature of the human under there and it's just some of their restraint has been removed by, by the alcohol so they will you know if you they if you walk down the street and you just slap somebody across the face um more often than not you won't get you, you will hurt their feelings in canada at least and in a lot of places uh, you'll start a fight that's a, that's an excellent way of starting a fight um 
but it depends on the person you could say culturally or you could say with the personality it's there's just a certain kind of temperament but um but you can turn a man into a soldier quite easily it's it's part of our nature we're we're very dangerous not very many people know that that part of themselves or want to admit it um and so we have we have heroes and stuff for a reason it's not like we lust after these ideas we want to it, it and this is part of the misunderstanding particularly of women in how men work or think or feel like <laughs> the quote-unquote more empathic sex really does not have the kind of empathy necessary to understand men it's strange but but men are dangerous and we need to understand that about ourselves and how and perhaps even be ready to be that way in order to protect the the things and the ones you love this is this is re for a proper stable society we should have this kind of stuff um it's like talking about birth control like you should talk about birth control and sex and conflict resolution and relationships and and all this other stuff that we don't really talk about properly and you should also talk about uh the nature of violence and preparedness and 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 but we kind of don't so i have long recognized that in myself not just as as a man dreaming to be valuable to be useful to be to be a hero because that's kind of a thing um not just as that could but i've had you know I, i've been around the people that have been inspiring in that in the physical competency sense and so and i've experimented with a lot of that stuff so i know that me being irritable pushes me too much towards that edge and that it's I, that it's valuable to recognize when that happens if that happens and if there are quote-unquote warning signs so i've got flags internal to me that i am capable of recognizing that don't require my a shouting outburst or don't require anything any conflict i don't need to have that stuff happen before i go oh well right it's like violent drunks and stuff like that it's 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 uh if you understand certain elements of yourself you can see the warning signs and you can restrain yourself sooner but i mean i'm i'm a big scary guy and it's important for me to have a sense of calm and to try to calm the people around me because naturally the people around me are nervous just because of the way I look. And, you know, it's, it's my size, it's my posture, it's my, it's, it's awesome to freak out somebody that's like serious special forces and shit. Like it's it would, like some of it is just hilarious. Absolutely. I love surprising people by just appearing out of thin air um it, it, it weirds people out I, I do it to minion occasionally i don't even do it on purpose it it, it literally is my nature and i'm not turning that off because it's hilarious it's more of the you just appear from the shadow sort of thing well yeah it's there there are some there are some martial arts that there's like uh the mythological side of martial arts that talks about certain like heroic superpowers and stuff like that that and it's like well and none of that's trained absolutely none of that's trained and you should thank your lucky stars that none of that is trained because you have no idea the consequences of having that knowledge out there would be which is which is why you could torture me i'll take this to my grave there's no way i would let 
no there's no way i would make me reproducible so like it'll die with me um but i i I, that's totally off in a different direction, right? So I was talking about mood, right? So understanding irritability is really important to me because me being irritable, that alone changes my personality, changes maybe my body language, makes the people I care about nervous, right? Changes the atmosphere of my home, my work, my friends. You know, I'll walk down the street. Before before the times, right? Before the times, I have had people cross the street to rather than walk past me. And I've gotten these looks. And, and like, don't get me wrong, I'll see that and I will be hurt. And I know that there are, there are parallels to everybody else out there where there is a certain kind of body language that occurs. Like, I'm not, I'm not a confrontational guy. I'm not having staring competitions. I'm not doing the body language thing. I don't play these dumb, uh, your idiot mortal concerns don't matter to me. So I just, I, I'm not doing it, but other people will perceive in certain ways and I don't like it. So I've got the childish perspective of not wanting to be in the way. Like a lot of kids are like that. They just, they want everything to be cool. They're, they don't want to anger mom and dad. They want to get out of the way. They don't want to be underfoot. They learn about these things. They go do stuff on their own. And it's not like they're abused, so they're they're avoiding angering mom in the kitchen or something like that. But they'll like hang out, but be but want to help or want to be out of the way. Or so if you got she's running around, they'll and they want because they love their mom, they want to be around their mom. So I might I have a kind of wanting to be out of the way thing. And it also happens to to guys who are big, you'll find a lot of guys who are big will just be really chill, really nice guys because they don't have to play the the small dog games of barking and appearing a lot bigger and stronger and scarier than they actually are. Big guys just are. They don't have to play the games anymore. It's just done. They're, they're excluded from that. Under certain circumstances, they get constantly attacked um, by the little dogs because <laughs> they're perceived as being the big scary alpha dog they're kind of not so understanding mood understanding aggression body language this kind of stuff i'm aware of all this maybe i'm just hyper aware of this because of this because of the circumstances of my childhood because of my my biological personality traits because of my uh my being raised my my culture my raising myself i made certain choices that happen to take advantage of certain strengths and overcome certain weaknesses so i i am me okay i'm me so i'm aware of these things so it matters when i understand irritability other than it is really crippling to be irritable and to be doing something that you should like and you just don't and and you have nothing else that you would turn to that you would like so the goals you want to pursue in life, you'll never reach if you've got these weird psychological barriers. And if you, if like me, if you can tie it down to something dumb, like not sleeping right, not showering once, hopefully twice a day, um, you know, not, not meeting your obligations, not, and you can go down the list. And in my case, diet seems to be extraordinarily important. If you identify these things and hopefully get on a good day and on your good day you take you just 
you take 100% full advantage of those opportunities when you have a clear head and then be like, okay, well, I'm, I, I really do need to start working out. I, I really do need to. And you just go down the list and accomplish the things with the largest return on investment. If, if you have that clear head and pursue those things, um, it, it really, really has a huge impact on your life. And then you get the, the momentum concept that I've talked about before, where you, you take small advantages in it and it snowballs out into something greater. And so me taking, taking irritability seriously, very seriously, and trying to undo it before it becomes, well, first off, before it becomes on my permanent criminal record, right? Uh, understanding that that, under, like thinking the best slash the worst in yourself, understanding the worst case scenarios, understanding those things, not fixating, but understanding things are possible and knowing and holding that up as the, the, what, what's, what's the term? You know, it's like a Florida man. They make, they make fun of Florida man. Cause there's all these like headlines, <laughs> headlines in that this is a state in the United States. So, uh, and they, it's like Florida man dances naked on telephone pole. Florida man wrestles alligator for shoe. And it's just like, and it's dumb stuff. So it's like, it, it, it these people do dumb things as kind of a moral, as a moral lesson or as a, a warning for others. It's like, there should be this, these extremes of the things that you're pursuing, of the things that you are or whatever, that you can hold up the exaggeration of and, and know that the path leads in that direction, at least. Maybe, maybe it, in reality, it would never go there. Okay, maybe, maybe. But, but the path points there. And you should know that and you should use that as something to scare yourself or encourage yourself. It's like, it's like businesses that fail because they... Um, they succeed larger than their compa their capacity to keep up and just weird things like that. They, uh, at any rate, so pasta, pasta and irritability, I think is highly related, highly, highly. And because I had been eating bacon in, in my, I switched bacon, I switched from this, uh, like a commercial five kilogram boxes of extraordinarily bad like cheap bacon and it's just like it, it's the bacon that would get cooked and thrown in whatever other meal right for a restaurant so for example and so i had switched from that to packaged cheap like walmart bacon kind of thing you know you you get and there's a deal and you get however much and it's not great so i'm thinking maybe it's fat content or maybe again maybe there's preservatives in there that <laughs> there's no ingredients list on the, the five kilogram box, which kind of sucks. Um, so I need to go to the producer and get, maybe that's something to pursue, but I'm pretty sure I'm nigh certain that it's pasta, that it's carb heavy, carb only, maybe carb at, in the afternoon, evening over the previous day and carb in the morning of the next day, something that's, and it just wrecks me and it wrecks me so badly that the things that used to magically not bother me before start bothering me after. So it's something to keep an eye on. And on that note, um, 
I and I I noticed it. So I'll get. I had kind of a sheen on my back the other day, and that this is this might occur under certain circumstances of stress. So I might sweat a little bit, and you know it's like it's almost like the lie detector thing. Like where some people kind of sweat when they're stressed or when they're lying and things like this. And uh, lie detectors aren't perfect, which is why they should not be admissible in court, because especially because psychopaths can fool those tests, uh, can and do. Um, so I had a, a bit of a sweaty sheen. I thought nothing of it. I thought maybe it's the circumstances. It's the temperature in my room. It's the, it's, you know, I was eating some spicy food, this kind of stuff. You know, it's easy to dismiss, but it happened again the next day. And right now I'm kind of sweaty all over and I checked my temperature. I'm a little warm and I'll check it again later. And, uh, you know, again, before going to bed and again tomorrow morning, but I've actually got a bit of a fever which is extremely unusual for me, like unbelievably, extremely unusual. So the number of times I've had a proper, oh, let's call it the flu, I could probably count. I mean, I might be able to count it on one hand over 40 years, right? I don't, I don't know younger than 14 or so. Like I don't, I had not had enough of a brain to start keeping track of this kind of stuff but you know certainly i could count on both hands in my adult life and so it's it's a little weird a little weird and we think okay well the times means that it must be the plague it must be the and uh and maybe it is and maybe it isn't and i want to talk about that really quick and i i understand so the thing is how do, how do I, the thing is the times means that I need to take this topic more carefully than I really ought to, because we have a, a massive social and political, uh, kind of culture that's happened that can't comprehend reality properly. So I can't just flatly say certain things. So I have to be careful with my words. So, and that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be careful with my my words, but I'll take a stab at it. So, <clears throat> so due to social distancing and due to hand washing, a lot of people are going to get sick. Okay, you heard that right. Social distancing is going to make people sick. Now, I want to liken this to having a skiing accident and being put in... Um, Put in a wheelchair you get a cast or something like that and, but let's imagine that it's really bad that there's a really bad injury and a person's wheelchair bound we understand the idea of muscle atrophy we understand certain ideas where you know you've gained weight over the last bunch of times you've been a couch potato you try to get back into shape you've got no breath you've got no tone you've got no strength and these things go away we understand that for cardio for muscle we know these things well it also happens to your immune system it happens to your immune system you're born a baby doesn't have uh, a trained immune system they got the potential it's like saying that a baby's got a got is smart it, no it isn't <laughs> it's cute it's not smart it's got the potential 
for intelligence. Okay? We know that. It's got the potential to be taller. It's got the potential to be bigger. It's like the potential, the potential, okay? But it doesn't have it. It doesn't have an immune system the way we think of in an adult. This is why if a child, if like a baby, or we're talking baby, baby, gets a cold, that you, you need to keep an eye on that. It's really important. If the baby gets a fever, that may that's a doctor's visit right away, no question. Uh, well, uh, okay, I know things are complicated in the United States, but say in Canada, where you can just go visit a doctor, um, and if it's a significant fever, that's hospital, that's emergency room, that's really urgent, because the baby has nothing in it to fight. It's got no immune system. So what happens is the immune system is is introduced to foreign content and the foreign and it either recognizes that foreign content right away as itself bare or it recognizes the impact that that stuff is happening so like something gets introduced into the body it starts starts um, infiltrating into cells to reproduce the act of infiltration or the cell death or the reproduction or other things will be noticed by the immune system and it summons up like we kids were shown the clat well at least in my age were shown the classic the 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 soldiers of the immune system would come and would fight kind of thing and and so there are mechanisms and the baby doesn't have it's got some of the mechanisms kind of in there but it has it late because it doesn't understand the initial introduction it doesn't understand the initial infiltration it starts learning from cell death and goes like hey well, i'm missing this stuff hey what's this stuff and it starts figuring stuff out and then so this is why so first off this is why breastfeeding is absolutely urgent so urgent that we should have nursemaids and that might be a really weird and possibly disgusting concept for a lot of people to have just like women for hire because they can breastfeed we that needs that's so important for the next generation that we really should make that culturally acceptable and again free will free market free choice just like don't if if for example there is no mother and you've just got a single dad raising a kid having a nursemaid could be very important because um, breast milk also introduces antibodies which is one of the components of the entire immune system stuff but but the possibility is there and children babies that are not breastfed grow up into fully functional humans probably and because the body can figure stuff out and every single impact all the antagonism will will train it now i talked about atrophy atrophy exists at the immune system level okay that means that if your immune system is not working is not active is not being antagonized it will relax it will relax in that it, it as though it were reverting from the adult kind of immune system out into child out into baby it's not going to go through that extreme but it it uh, retracts out in that direction just like a person who's wheelchair bound f for a year they they're going to have trouble standing afterwards they're not going to have no muscle like but they're going to have small muscle but it's going to be hard and there might actually be psychological barriers to them walking as well but 
but it's so the potential is still there and it's it's still fine it's still they might be scared of stairs for a long time right until they build things back up again they might need to have specialized workouts to to get things going again we're going to have adults who with it with no immune system which has been antagonized will will become childlike okay so the the body will still have some of the components the memory of the his, the long history of vaccinations or exposure or however things work for that individual but it will be their immune system will be far less effective and i hope that's not somebody in my laundry room because i'll have to go over there and say i think there's... <laughs> um so okay well I'll, I'll deal with i'll have to clean the audio out so um i put a sign up for a reason yeah <laughs> Now I'll just go over there and stop it. Anyhow, um, so what happens is uh, due to social distancing and due to hand washing, the bacteria that we are normally exposed to, which our body is perfectly capable of dealing with, like colds don't kill us. So, and fevers don't kill us either. There has to be weird, rare circumstances for and these things to actually matter at all. They just make us feel bad. And a fever isn't actually bad. So a fever is one of the mechanisms your body uses to basically to to tweak knobs to make your mechanics go faster. And it also is detrimental to the reproduction of the foreign bodies. Um, so, so by not trading and not being exposed to bacteria, uh, it will atrophy the immune system and it will actually be a problem hang on i'll be right back yeah this is an example of irritability so yeah so anyhow anyhow the problem with the washing machine is it thuds against the walls because uh, the previous one didn't this is a new one it got replaced and what a uh, what this washing machine does is it it turns and it turns it hi everyone i'm adding this well after this show had aired just to add a little bit of background here it was at this point that i went and i got angry now even though i had been talking about this very same situation even though i had all the warning signs it was fresh on my mind everything was there I still didn't have a working brain. Now, this is a perfect example of how uh, it, when lucid, a problem needs to be worked on immediately and as thoroughly as possible. That means completely derailing the rest of your life just to address certain problems that you don't have the kind of mind space for, the mood for. And since this particular show had aired, I had been given, I gave away all my pasta. I've got some in the freezer I needed to just throw away. And things were exceptional after the fact. Now that may be a, a great rebound, which will have some consequences. I haven't had bacon in a while, etc., etc. So life is better now. The problem is when situations like this happen, 
there are social consequences and I have not dealt with the social consequences. So I scared people when I got mad. I don't like doing that and there's a problem with that. So there's fallout and I'm not gonna be bringing this particular topic up again, but I just did want to reinforce the fact that, man, sometimes you can, you can be aware you can be aware on paper. You can be aware talking to people, teaching people. Doesn't matter. Sometimes you can be aware of a thing, but it doesn't really matter when it matters the most to you. How odd. Oh. Yeah. So, problems, problems. Now, I shouldn't have even bothered doing anything. So, the problem is this this washing machine spins to detect weight in order to be water efficient and it sprays water gently as a way of understanding how much water it has to work with and then it fills just enough water just enough and every time it turns the tap on to add more water it it's the extreme opening where the entire line of water through all the pipes is rushes through and normally that's not a problem because you would, it would it would turn on and that that would that jerk would happen and all the rushing water would happen and it would just pour out. Now you might not notice that coming out of your kitchen sink, for example, but it'll probably happen. Now this washing machine does it and does it and does it and it just hammers and hammers and it's uh, it's absolutely atrocious. It's it's incredibly obnoxious and one of the the reductions in irritability has been that not bothering me okay so so right now i'm i'm violently upset and and it's a it's a problem right so i may well have eroded my relationship with the people using the laundry room because right and they they think they have valid excuses they objectively don't because i've got a sign there for a reason and i'm I made sure I've been using it all the time, quote unquote, short notice. I mean, like with the alternative and everybody would be okay with this as I just go in there, I, I put my laundry in and, oh, somebody's using laundry. Huh. And the exact same thing occurred. Oh, somebody put a sign up, like it's reserved and it's not hard. And the problem is I went in there and turned it off and shouted. And then came back in and kept recording. They went back in and just turned it on again. Like, oh, that's that's conflict. That's immediate conflict. So, so I'm fairly sure I can tie that irritability back to, um, back to a carb-heavy diet. Now, I'm not sure if that's carbs because that's a very specific component of diet, component of food. Because that may well be, well, potatoes, that may well be rice, that may, it might be bread. Now, I've talked about quitting bread, which uh, saddens me, because bread is a great part of our, our diet. I probably don't need to actually think of it as my having stopped, but, but I have. I mean, I, I quit it entirely, more or less, but I'll eat the buns on the hamburger bun or hamburger. So this is not a philosophical thing. I just don't go buy loaves of bread, which means that I can't eat jam, which means that I can't right, eat, make sandwiches at home. I can't do all kinds of stuff. Um, 
So right now I don't really have the components to test on anything but pasta. So um, I got uh, I have another uh, like Tupperware bin. Maybe I'll freeze it now, I guess, so it doesn't go bad. Because um, I made more, and I've just been I've been eating a fair amount of it. Now what's interesting is um, I had been eating oatmeal previous to this. I ran out, so I stopped eating it. And I, I, I put way too much brown sugar in it. So people think about oatmeal as being kind of diet friendly. It isn't uh, because I add all this other stuff. Um, so yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. I don't know how long it's going to take for me to be, be back to normal. But so r right now um, I'm struggling with that but I'm also struggling with this unusual fever and it may well be associated with, uh, with after having an atrophied immune system, what ends up happening is there's something called a, an opportunistic bacteria, let's say bacteria or disease where once, so, okay, let's, so the extremes are a person over 90 has a naturally retracted immune system that just happens. Um, and somebody that's exposed to something like chemotherapy because the immune system is one of the mechanics that is just, uh, it, it's basically removed at that point, right? So they're immunocompromised. And that means that anything that comes, that can uh, hit them, hits them really hard. It's potentially life-threatening. And yes, people have died because of that. They get ill with one thing, and then something else comes along and, and that, that vulnerability is taken advantage of and it, it hits them a lot harder. And a lot of people don't make it. And the thing about having a retracted and atrophied immune system is now that creates a vulnerability in that person who might otherwise be perfectly capable of fighting a, a a bad flu is just a bad flu, right? A bad flu for an adult is a ruined weekend, is a couple of days off, is whatever. But that same exposure, while under circumstances where the immune system is atrophied, is very, is getting dangerously close to the idea of a person who has immunocompromised um, circumstances, like from, like from uh, chemo. It's very, it's, it's pushing in the direction like that, right? It's like taking somebody that's wheelchair bound from an injury, then telling them to run like, okay, maybe it's doable, right? Like this, 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 these circumstances does not mean that every adult who's, who's uh, ever so slightly weakened does, does not mean that all those people are going to be hammered by a flu. Okay. Doesn't mean, but but it, it's certainly not going to help. It's going to really deeply harm them. So this means that hugging, handshaking, no, we don't, we don't sneeze into other people's faces. Like we sneeze into our elbow, but there's just bacteria around. We touch handles, we touch railings, all this kind of stuff, right? We do these things and they're perfectly normal because we have an immune system and that's what it's for. And we've had it for as long as we've had us like ah. so the our act of sheltering ourselves is going to make even adults more sick from other stuff now 
you might think, okay, return on investment. So there's there's risk reward and there's the there's a balance, right? So the general notion is um, better to be safe than no, sorry. It's uh, you think of the children or it's think of the vulnerable in this case, and all those are all those are fine to a point, but at some point it's um, every participant is themselves going to be risking themselves because of this. It's not that every participant is going to be helping others. They will be, but they're also going to be uh, risking themselves. And once those illnesses start happening, that is one that is for every single other thing that a person gets vulnerable to. Normally what would happen is a flu would hit you. You'd stay home. Hopefully you don't go to work and make everybody else sick. And then, but it stops with you. You get better right away because your body goes, oh, another one of these and, and gets rid of it. But now it's, oh, another one of these and it stays for a lot longer. And if, if it does float around at all, if you don't respond right away, if you don't withdraw and then it spreads out there and then the common flu of whatever variety happens to mutate in, in any particular season and there are multiple kinds and it'll go around and it'll hit everybody harder than it ought to have instead of just just stopping with a handful of people this is an effect called herd immunity which is it's much more important to understand for something like a, a disease rather than a it kind of exists for for flus and colds and stuff like that um so yeah so yeah there there are problems and i'm it so i'm attributing some of that to um to the aggressive hand washing type of stuff that's been going around. Um, the incredible social distancing, the whatever, maybe this means that something that I have been exposed to, because I have gone out and stuff, I still been careful. Maybe, maybe, maybe just a common flu type thing. Cause it is flu season coming up, isn't it? I'm, I'm not sure. Like, cause I haven't been sick. I'm actually not sure like how flus work. Because I kind of don't feel bad ever. So I don't get sick. So I don't understand. Uh, but as I understand, flu season is around these parts. So maybe I just got hit by something that I never would have noticed before. And um, I never would have noticed before because I had a very strong immune system that just would have shrugged it off like it was nothing. And now it's less able to do that. So it's going to take longer to clue in, probably. Um, and it'll just deal with it later and it'll hit me harder later. Um, my worry starts being, well, I need to think about my household. I need to think about my appointments. I need to think about public transportation or visiting a store or, right? Because even now, even something boring like a flu is, um, well, first off, it can be misinterpreted as being the wrong thing. But secondly, uh, other people maybe more vulnerable as i talked about maybe more vulnerable than they otherwise would be which it's still it's now it makes it inconsiderate it's not life-threatening but it's inconsiderate so um minion wanted to wrap up a, a little sooner i could switch to a different topic so that we're not ending on something completely heavy but uh, what what say you minion do you want to keep going I'm lying in bed right now passing out <laughs> so that's a yes that's a yes we should continue <laughs> oh 
you can continue. I think I'm just gonna end up snoring on Mike. <laughs> yeah, we're doing one of those. Uh, well, we can't even do a 24-hour stream because it would be like until next, until you wake up, right? Which, which for you, I could have done a 24-hour stream. Well, you have bad sleeping habits. You need to fix yourself, like really badly. Need to. It's a. It's, it's so big a problem. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, it is such an issue. Yeah. Well, it it's more of an issue when you wait for the last second to meet your obligations. That's the biggest thing in life is you may not care about yourself and the things you want in life and may choose to dismiss the importance of pursuing certain things. I, that's fine. That doesn't matter to anybody else but you. But once you start um, diminishing the importance of, of your word or your appointments and kind of like doing them with the most minimal effort possible or doing them last second or or then you're now impacting everybody else around you um i mean i have more than once been so utterly frustrated at your existence that i would rather just not know you anymore rather than bother because it's just it's just hard because i gotta make up for your flaws or i will like i will for example, this show, I knew about it. I knew about it months ago that it would happen today, right? So, and I had been planning ever since last show. I've been planning ever since yesterday. I've been planning. This influenced when I got up today. This influenced when I had a nap, how I ate. This I could have put other plans here had I known uh, soon enough. I could have been with playing games or I could have been writing or could right right so a lot of things align around the promises that we make or the the regular the recurring plans a lot of things kind of line up that way and it becomes um more and more people end up being reliant on those circumstances and this is this is how you get this is how you get a raise for example you be reliable and reasonably competent and uh, not a jerk and the boss will be like well you're dependable so right? it's better to go for somebody that's dependable that you can kind of have certain key mechanics of a business rely on than go with somebody that's highly su successful but erratic <laughs> which uh yeah which isn't you obviously but the the unreliability you you haven't figured out the 80 20 yet like you haven't figured out how like you've got the 80 down right for you it's like 40 but so you've got that down but you haven't haven't learned how to find either moments of inspiration or sometimes it's just hard work or it's just you know extra work um to optimize that other you don't understand that that side of things so you just kind of squeak by with 80 for all of life without having the 20 enhance your experience of life like um i mean you're in bed so i can i'll, I'll keep talking um one great example is can can we talk about well i'll talk about mine then so um i've 
it's expensive to get a new bed frame that is uh, specifically, there's something called a high bed frame or a loft bed frame, or you could think of it like the top bunk of a bunk bed. And that's kind of childish, so adults kind of shy away from that. And But it's there's a style of bed that is taller that allows storage underneath. Because, like, think of it this way. You're not going to be standing on your bed, usually, right? Maybe do that occasionally just to, just to oh, man, what was, what was the movie? I can't remember the name of the movie where the kids stood up on their desks and, oh, captain, my captain. I Somebody, somebody out there will remember that reference. You're not going to be standing on your bed very often. Um, so it can be, there's a lot of verticality that's being wasted. So if you were to pull, if you were to have tall bedposts, you could have a lot of space underneath. And that's something I'm arranging. I'm actually using, I'm not going to spoil it because I don't want to have other people buy it up right now. Um, but I am actually using like machined stilts to, to, put my to pull my bed up and you could like use auto jacks or something like that right you could use cinder blocks the thing is a lot of the people don't don't like it because it doesn't look good uh i don't have to care because i i need i need this like this the room like my, my bedroom is just my bedroom it's it's pretty simple stuff it's not it's not meant for show um i have other rooms that are meant for for show in that in that sense let's say and uh so i'm doing that and it's and then i had to get uh rubberized pads to make sure that they're just to give me a little bit more comfort in how things are padded and maybe that'll mean they're they'll bounce around a little bit too much but i don't know i'm not sure how it's going to work out but this is an example of of 20 percent of and this is a significant amount of research, but I was kind of bored and poking around. But I mean, like, honestly, you could probably spend a couple of hours a day doing something odd, something different, looking around at something. I happen to like the learning, but this is going to pay off huge. And uh, Minion, you, you tend to not do that kind of thing. So you leave a kind of a mess and then deal with it when you have to use that space again and deal with it when you're yelled at and which is why people yell at you if only you um didn't need to be yelled at if you could preemptively do stuff that would be a great big help um yeah okay so let's end it here and this was uh, episode 18 uh we should we should like open with saying the date and stuff like that because it would help my my mechanics a lot better <laughs> um we're gonna be back on uh wednesday 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 i have plans i'm just not sure when they are things are a little bit weird things are a little bit up in the air so hopefully i'll be back on uh wednesday september the 16th for episode number 19 well thank you all for listening and i'm going to see you all later bye